It's about 23 minutes before the top of the hour here on Faith Radio Mornings and thrilled to be joined in the line by author Peter Greer this morning who has this intriguing book out titled Rooting for Rivals. And it's something that uh, doesn't happen very often in our polarized culture in a variety of ways. I can't even root for other sports teams that aren't local. And so this idea of maybe thinking about rooting for a rival is going to be a little tricky. Good morning, Peter. Good morning. Well, I appreciate you joining us. We are just talking off the air, and and, uh, and I mentioned to you that uh, over the weekend, as we do research for the show, and there's so many ministry people all around the country doing such good things. There's blogs everywhere. There's opportunity for speakers to come and authors, and there's just so much going on that's so good. And yet it ends up feeling disconnected at times and maybe even competitive at times about who's getting the most amount of press and publication. And, and, and you're suggesting that rather than working against each other, we would really benefit in the kingdom for working with each other. Yeah, that is absolutely at the core of what we are trying to share. And, um, you know, one of the early stories that we heard was from a friend um, who has a foundation, and he talked about how three different ministries came to him within 12 months, and they all were asking for funding for the same translation for the same uh, people group within the relatively same period of time. And so think about that. This is three Bible translation groups focused on the same thing instead of if they each focused on a different part of the world or a different language, imagine the impact. And so we started gathering some people together and it uh, became this movement. And and long story short is they initially thought that it was going to take until 2150 to translate the Bible into every language. But with this greater collaboration, with this greater partnership, they fast forward that and they're on track now for the Bible to be translated into every language by 2033. So they took 117 years off the pace of progress simply by having a collaborative approach. And if that's true in Bible translation, maybe it's also true about the impact we could have on our cities. And maybe it's true about the impact we could have on uh, ending human trafficking. If we simply had an approach that said, we are not going to be competitors, we're going to be peers and partners and friends in this work that God has given us. That, I mean, what an incredible concept, because I got to believe that 117 year that you mentioned could be repeated over a variety of concepts and, and as you mentioned, ministry contexts and, and how important it would be. I know for my students, uh, Peter, when they come into my class, sometimes they'll reflect in some papers about their church background. And one of the most common themes I see in the papers is that the churches of which they're a part have had long seasons, sometimes incredibly destructive seasons of division and strife and power plays and people sort of trying to position themselves to get their voice heard the most. But you write that we actually are to have an uncommon unity, something that we don't see. So talk a bit about that and the importance of of the uncommon unity that we have. Yeah, right now, this is a time, and we all know it, we all feel it, uh, about the increasing division uh, that that we see all around us. And I see that as what an opportunity. What an opportunity for the church to be different, to show that there is no uh, me and you, there's only us. Um, and and because we're going to be together for all eternity, because of what Christ has done, maybe we can start getting along now. Maybe we can start having some friendships, and maybe we can have some alliances and partnerships. And so instead of just thinking about what is my organization, what is the organizational mission, I think that's thinking too small. Anytime we allow our thinking to be bound by the organizational boundaries, I think we need to reimagine a bigger vision, a kingdom vision, one that would be impossible for any one church or any one organization to accomplish alone. And then instead of thinking about how can we have another program to impact a small number of people, instead of just 
thinking like that. What about imagining what our city uh, could do? Imagine what could happen if we had an uncommon unity. And I think the world is looking for us to be different, is asking, is there any difference? Are they on the same team or not? And anytime we allow these divisions, allow this subtle attitude of undermining each other, it's almost like we're forming uh uh, you know, a, a shooting line, but doing it in a circle. <laughs> we end up, we end up taking each other down instead of cheering each other on. So our hope is that there are going to be more examples for us to demonstrate an uncommon unity as we follow Jesus together. Mm, this is Peter Greer, the author of the book Rooting for Rivals. I really recommend it as a way of sort of re-understanding and reimagining the possibilities of our relationships in the kingdom. And and Peter, is is part of what goes on here just sort of the the drive for a need for a vocation for even some sort of monetization uh, and income that's happening. I know a lot of ministry leaders as they're developing blogs and opportunities that one of the questions they're asking is, so is there a way to monetize this and get paid for it so that I can do this full time? Yeah, so it's oftentimes easy to identify the problem. Uh, it's more difficult to try and understand why is this the situation and then what can we do mm-hmm. about it. And so we started talking to some of the leaders that we really respect, these leaders that really have a posture of rooting for rivals and seem to be open-handed and generous with each other. And we tried to understand what do they think and what do they do that is different from from the rest of us that too easily slip into this spirit of competition. And we found that they do two things different. The first is that they believe in a world of abundance, not a world of scarcity, that God has enough for all of us. Um, and so they reject a scarcity worldview. And so when someone else is having some sort of success, they don't see it as threatening to themselves, but they see it as something to celebrate. And the other key piece is they look at the world uh, by believing that their call, their primary mission, is about the kingdom of God and not just their platform or their, and so they can have a bigger vision. So the people that believe in a world of abundance and believe that their calling extends beyond the organization or platform that they personally have, it is those leaders that tend to have the greatest impact. Um, and oftentimes, I, you know, I, I, I think of Dallas Willard, uh, as we were working on this and hearing the story about it, anytime he would go and speak, End his time, not obsessing about what he was going to say or how he did. He would spend his time praying for God's favor and blessing on all the other speakers that would be there, that they would have uh, an increased uh, ability to, to impact lives. And it's just this external focus of thinking beyond ourselves. And the irony is it's that sort of an approach that has the greatest impact for sure. Again, it's Peter Greer at Rooting for Rivals. Peter, we're going to take a short break, but I love just the reference to Dallas Willard. I remember just hearing him speak from time to time. And, and there was, he always had this capacity to draw us into something bigger than ourselves, to recognize that there's a kingdom beyond ourselves and our short little lives, uh, they do, they do go quickly. And so to orient ourselves towards the kingdom, create space in some different ways. So we'd love to get into some of that and more from your book, Rooting for Rivals with Peter Greer. More in a morning, uh, in a bit on Faith Radio Mornings. Thirteen minutes before the top of the hour here on Faith Radio Mornings, and we are joined uh, guest Peter Greer, who is author of a book, Rooting for Rivals. Peter, it looks like it came out earlier this month. It's available on Amazon and all the usual channels, and I think such an important book. Uh, one of the concepts from your book that 
really struck me is to remember that any sort of ministry opportunities or gifts or or passions we might have, they aren't here for us. They are for the kingdom. And they're really gifts that we're meant to steward for a short period of time on earth as opposed to try to own and manipulate for our own gain. Yeah, absolutely. I love what Paul writes when he says, what do you have that you haven't been given? (laughs) This idea that everything that we have is a gift. And for nonprofits and for ministries, in a very real way, we should be the ones that that are reminded of that, that people generously support the work that we do. And it's not just to build an organization. It's to solve problems. It's it's to have an impact around the world. And so of all people that should be generous and open-handed, I believe it should be the church. It should be nonprofit leaders because we really are reminded that everything that we have is a gift. So how can we use these gifts to have the greatest impact possible? So for the person who may have a ministry passion or interest, uh, whether they're part of the church, whether it's a vocation thing, or even a church itself, what what would be some real practical just sort of first steps? How do you begin to bridge the gaps that might be between ministries? What would you suggest on that level? Yeah, so maybe just one simple step is, what am I doing to actively develop friendships with quote unquote, rival uh, other organizations? Are we spending time meeting together saying, what are you learning? What, where where have the successes been? Where have the challenges? What what are you learning? So maybe just starting by, by spending time and friendships uh, with other people. So if you're a, a leader of a church in one area, how can you actively develop relationships and friendships with others? Second piece is what do you have that might be beneficial to others and how can we open source that? You know, I think there's a lot of organizations that are having unnecessary replication because we're all trying to create the same um, uh, materials. And and so I think about uh, the number of organizations like Life Church where they create all sorts of materials, speaker notes and, and programs and even the Version Bible. And they intentionally said, let's make that open source for anyone that would like to have have that. So maybe a second step is, what do I have that might be beneficial to others? And how can I as generously as possible share that? And then I think the third piece is to really maybe uh, understand uh, how we can use our platform to, to be a blessing to others. So if you're having an event, we try to do this with all of the, even the fundraising events for Hope International. How can we highlight another organization that's doing really good work um, outside of the bounds of, of who we are and what we do? Um, and to really say that we are on the same team um, and we're excited not just for what God is doing within one organization, but we celebrate what God is doing in all kinds of different arenas. And so maybe to be a little more generous with the platforms and uh, to celebrate what God is doing through others. Boy, that that would be a counterintuitive sort of move. I know. I remember growing up, I was part of a, a denominational church, and and you always sort of were aware of what other churches around in the area might have been up to and the success. And if they started growing, perhaps, and maybe they reached 500 people, and we were stuck on 200 people, I, I, I got to admit, Peter, that uh, some of these vices you mentioned in your book probably would have come up in my heart. Let's just uh, say greed and envy and uh, and a bit of pride probably would have emerged in me because. I couldn't celebrate that there is success. I mostly wanted to think, what were they doing and how can we do that to start getting people back in our doors? And the whole thing just gets so interesting and a little bit screwy at times. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I definitely feel that the part of the reason we built the book around kind of the, the vices is because there are some things that impact all of us in our hearts of, of the envy of seeing someone else's success and saying, Oh, how, how come that isn't happening to me? But I think there's a different way of looking at the math, even the math that you just said. If we have two churches that each have 200 and then one church grows to 500, the, the, the two ways of looking at it. One is the church could say, we're, we're down 300. They experienced 300 growth. The other way of looking at it is we just grew to 700 together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's better to start celebrating what are the together, uh, things that we should be celebrating. More for someone else doesn't mean less for you. More for someone else means more for the kingdom, and that is what we should be celebrating. So I think getting the 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 thinking, as Tim Keller says, we we just we don't think too highly of ourselves. We don't think too lowly of ourselves. We just think of ourselves less. Um, and I love that kind of reframing of of if another organization is seeing success, that doesn't mean less for me, less for us. It means more for the kingdom, and that's something we're celebrating. And that is a different mindset than uh, how we experience life in, in our culture so often, where there's this idea that if Walmart is really succeeding and Target is struggling, they do have to compete against each other. So to get ourselves out of the mindset that we're these competitive institutions, but that we really have this common good in the kingdom, that can be tough when all week long we're fighting these competitive battles in our individualistic kind of culture, right? Yeah, and I mean, certainly competition can make us better. It can, we can learn from others. Um, but I do think that there is a distinct difference when we look at Walmart versus Target or McDonald's versus Burger King and we apply that, uh, to the church setting or, or Christian ministries or nonprofits. Because what it does is we take on the attitude of, of Ray Kroc. Uh, who, who grew and expanded McDonald's. And he famously said, you know, if any of my competitors were drowning, I'd stick a hose in their mouth and turn it on because this is dog eat dog, rat eat rat. And that's sort of an approach, uh, although maybe it uh, was involved in, in building the McDonald's empire. I just simply believe that if that's the approach that we bring into the church and that's what the world looks at, then they have a legitimate reason to question the message that we bring. Hmm. And maybe this is part of the reason that in the longest recorded prayer of Jesus, he was praying for the unity of his followers. He was praying that we may be one. And I think that the reason why Jesus prayed that uh, the night before uh, the cross is because he knew how important this was. It it hinges. The, the, the unity that we have impacts the way that the world sees all of us. And so I think in a world of division, I think this is a great moment for us to start rooting for our rivals and demonstrating an uncommon unity. And it really could have the power to to reshape how the church is understood in our culture. I saw some of the stats in your book was that uh, support of the church of the institution is maybe down to 24 percent, where I was almost double that a generation ago. And and it's not necessarily about getting better programs and marketing uh, that much better and getting billboards out there and the word out. Uh, what you're suggesting is that if we move towards this uncommon unity, if we move towards these virtues like humility and temperance and love, and we actually become that, we can shine a different kind of light that may be more comp- compelling than whatever the business model of a church might be. I wholehearted, wholeheartedly believe that. And one of the fun parts of the research for the, for the, for the book and, and uh, all of, of talking to leaders is I think that we are seeing that. 
that the leaders that do uh, intentionally reach out to others, leaders that do imagine an impact beyond just their organization and actively collaborate and are open-handed, that those are the stories uh, that we want to see more of. And again, we started by talking about the kind of accelerating the pace of progress in Bible translation and taking 117 years off of that pace of progress. And I believe that that same principle, it applies to any sector. It, it applies to any outreach. It, it applies to any kind of set of ministries that we can accomplish more together than we could ever accomplish alone. And so we need in some ways to almost get over ourselves and imagine, uh, imagine a grander story that we're invited in and a story that would be impossible to do uh, just by ourselves. It's going to require collaboration and some bigger dreams uh, for us to see that level of impact. I love it. It's so hopeful, Peter. I just it, This could be a remedy to, to so much of what we've had to struggle with in our institutions. So we just have a minute left here uh, on the interview. And I'm wondering, it, it, you, mentioned, you mentioned Dallas Willard. Obviously, he was a, a person of the spiritual discipline, somebody who encouraged us to actually be formed in the image of Jesus. And so I'm curious, as a ministry leader, what would you suggest as a first step towards uh, your own formation uh, to, to begin to develop some of these virtues? You know, just one really simple habit uh, is to say, who are those organizations that I perhaps feel most competitive with or which churches? And are we actively praying for God's blessing on them? So if if uh, if Faith Radio, if there's another radio station that, you know, is, is the one that you're looking at, how are we actively praying for them? Or or if you're a ministry leader or a church leader, who are you actively praying for? And to, to ask not just to kind of transform your own heart, but pray for God's active blessing on those organizations that you might consider your rivals. Oh, Peter, you're, you're actually like jabbing it in right now. I mean, my goal has been to try to drive out all other Christian talk stations <laughs> around the country. Now I've got to actually pray during break. Is that what you're suggesting? <laughs> as crazy as it is, that's exactly what I'm suggesting. <laughs> hey, I loved having you on this morning. Again, your book, Rooting for Rivals, can't recommend it highly enough. I think it's such an important topic. Thanks for joining us this morning on Faith Radio Mornings. Thanks for having me.